Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 as San Antonio Sports Star. He is Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Minix. Saw a tweet this morning that said, spent yesterday talking to more people than I'd like to find out who the top targets are at Texas A&M. A lot of different opinions, but here are the five names I heard the most from hashtag Giggum Sources. That was a tweet from Mike Craven. From uh, Texas Football, senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, and he joins us now uh, on the Buyer's Barricades guest line. Uh, Mike, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so you, you talked to more people than you, you, you'd like to yesterday. W- were they as all over the place as I would think they are? Yeah, that's kind of been the interesting thing about this coaching search so far, is you usually start hearing three or four of the same names after a week or so, but... You know, depending on who I talked to, I would hear three or four names, but it would be different names. And so it's been hard to, hard to wrangle. I'd imagine there's a lot of different opinions in the room. It'll be interesting to see kind of what ends up winning out here in this search. Yeah, Mike, you're right. I think everybody has their favorite, right? And everybody wants to see this guy or that guy uh, do it. I guess the two most consistent names that I've seen are Mike Elko and Jeff Trailer. Uh, the guy from Arizona, Fish, I guess, is is a new name as far as I'm concerned. Have you, when you talk to people, are they giving you an indication of of what kind of guy they want? Yeah, they, you know, I think one of the things Ross Bjork said in his press conference that stuck out to me is trying to find their RC Slocum, and you know, I took that as somebody who understands the culture and community and, and the specificity of, of that A and M job. It is unlike most jobs. It's a great job, but it is different than a lot of jobs, you know, just because of, of that community and what they want out of their head coach. You know, Mike Elko was there, and he was there during the good times of the Jimbo Fisher era. And then Jeff Trailer's kind of a, you know, honorary graduate of that school, right? I mean, he's from East Texas. He's, he, you know, led Gilmer. He knows a lot of the guys that have been in and out of that program. And so I, I think culturally, those two seem like uh, really obvious fits, and it's why we've heard their name from the very beginning. Mike Craven uh, from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine joining us here on the Blitz. When I look at the list and what you have uh, published today at TexasFootball.com is Jed Fish at the top, uh, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State, Elko, uh, Lance Leopold at Kansas, and then Jeff Trailer. When I think about everything that I've heard from Ross Bjork to having relationships with high school coaches in the Texas, having ties to the university, Elko does, but three years as a DC for, for, for Jimbo, everything points to the description Bjork gives is Jeff Trailer, except for Jeff Trailer is at UTSA, a non-power five school. And Aggies will say that's not, he's not a big enough name for the job in college station. Where do you think Jeff Trailer ranks as far as a legitimate candidate for the job? I think he's in the top five, but I'd imagine he's closer to five than to one. 
Um, you know, I, I think some of the head coaches out in the Pac-12 are ahead of them right now. I think Jed Fish is above him on that list. You know, Kalen DeBoer is another name that was thrown around a lot to me. The, the problem with that is if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, well, now that timeline brings him to not being available, you know, until January if he's available or, or interested in the job then. So, you know, I think, I think Trailer is behind some of those, you know, kind of quote-unquote power five head coaches that are in the race here. Um, and I don't know if that's a Ross York thing or if that's kind of more of the, the donor base and the bigger guys kind of there making that decision behind the scenes. But the thing working against Trailer is obviously – uh, that he hasn't done it at at a power five school yet. Boy, and, and that's going to hurt him. And and that's what the and and you listen to Aggies, <laughs> Mike. When you you know that uh, that'd be a disaster for a And when they're talking about Jeff Fisher, and I've I've heard that over and over again. Then you hear some that say, "Well, the guy has won everywhere he has been, uh, and so it would change the culture at Texas A and M." A guy like Jed Fish, though, from Arizona, and I know he's done some remarkable things. Uh, at Arizona, but he's kind of a new name. What is it about him that you think is attractive to Texas A&M? I think he's he's taken something and made it better. You know, and A&M feels like they have a lot in place right now to, to be good. You know, the three things you need in modern football to win are, are resources, recruiting landscape, and fan support. And A&M has all of those things, and they have a pretty good roster as well. And so, when you look at Jed Fish, I think their argument would be like, wow, look how quickly he's turned around Arizona. He's a, he's a solid recruiter. If we get him at A&M with the resources that we have and the talent level that we have, uh, his offense will take us to that next step. Um, I don't know if he's as proven as some of these other coaches on the list, but a lot of the people I talked to uh, yesterday are, are big fans of his and think he has a lot of momentum here. Now, the tough part about covering coaching carousel stuff is uh, your opinion versus what you're being told uh, and, like, how to balance kind of how you see a candidate versus what you're seeing from a candidate. Like, I don't know if Jed Fish would be atop my list if I was making the decision at Texas A&M, but he definitely seems to be atop of a lot of people's lists that are making the decisions. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting when you – start looking at and and the different things that you're hearing and then you've got to trust that Texas A&M does the right thing and there's a lot of people that will say well yeah that's not because they're going to go for for a big name but none of these are massive names you know um which is a little surprising now some of the bigger names that started uh to be talked about when Jimbo was let go though they're not in the mix anymore and i wonder how much of that is because of public statements that ross bjork has made about the structure of the next head coach's contract a little bit more incentive based as opposed to guaranteed because he did give jimbo fisher the worst contract in the history of college sports (laughs) yeah they're going to be a little bit safer uh there and that may prevent them from just like going and making the splash higher like going and giving dan lanning 12 million dollars just to to money whip the situation Uh, but i do think that there's still a chance out there that a big name splash hire gets made it's just up to those coaches if they want kind of a new start like Dabo sweeney is a name that's been thrown around and if he would want to leave clemson because he feels like he's tapped it out there and you know maybe a&m would give him kind of more resources, more access to recruits to catch back up to Alabama and A&M. Another name I've heard thrown around is Ryan Day. Uh, if he loses to Michigan here uh, in a couple of days, loses the third straight and, and feels like Jim Harbaugh has passed him up in the Big Ten, you know, there may be a mutual parting of the ways where he doesn't, fired, doesn't get fired, but he quits, and now he's on the market, and A&M would absolutely 
uh, see if he would be interested in the Aggie job. So I wouldn't close the book too quickly on the big-name stuff. There's just obvious reasons why a lot of sources are, are maybe counting on the more realistic names more so than, than the big swing home run names. Well, you know, Mike, that brings up an interesting question then because I saw – uh, that Ross Bjork said something to the effect that this contract is going to be more incentive-laden uh, than it is guaranteed money. And I think that might make a difference with some of the big names. Not to mention the fact that uh, I'm hearing that after the LSU game, there could be an announcement pretty quick. Yeah, I do think you fire a coach two weeks before the season because you want to have a new one in place right after it. You know, with the portal being a new part of college football and with the early signing period being such a big part of college football, it's hard to wait until January. If you wait until January, you might not have a roster left, and that would definitely hurt 2024. And if we're being honest, you know, that the Aggies really feel 2024 is important because that game against Texas is coming up. They, mm-hmm. they feel like their roster is there, and they just want somebody to be in place early enough to keep as much of it together as possible, to keep the recruiting class together as possible and go win in 24. And I think that's why, you know, a DeBoer at Washington may be a long shot or a, a Dan Lanning has kind of dropped out of, out of the race a little bit is, is Mike Norvell, even at Florida state, those guys aren't going to be available uh, when you'd want them to be available. I think that's why a Dabo Sweeney and Ryan day's name has kind of stayed floating around as those guys. If, if Ryan day was to lose to Michigan, he obviously wouldn't be in the college football playoff. Dabo is not going to be in the college football playoff. So those make a little bit more sense. But I think it's more likely it's one of the five I put in the story uh, than kind of one of those big splash things. Mike Craven uh, from uh, Dave Gamble's Texas Football Magazine here on the Blitz. You know, obviously we're in San Antonio. A lot of UTSA fans are listening, anticipating what Jeff Trailer ultimately does because, you know, as you've probably seen in red, he has sidestepped every question about the job search. Uh, to the point not even confirming that he had the interview and, you know, all the some of the things that he said on our show yesterday, all, all that kind of stuff. And I look at what Jeff Trailer has done at UTSA and when he took over the program where it was and where it is now, a former Big 12 recruiter of the year, he seems to check all the boxes except for he hasn't done, been a head coach at a Power 5 school. As you're talking to people, what are, are there other negatives besides that that you're hearing about Jeff Trailer that probably is going to make some UTSA fans happy. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not many negatives for Jeff Trailer, And I think people who understand football at the highest level at A&M don't have any of those questions about Jeff Trailer. You know, if you win, you can win. I mean, Lance Leipold's shown that. He won in Division Three. He's winning at Division One. Chris Kleiman's showing that. Jeff Trailer, even Joey McGuire, even to an extent, is showing that. Um, if you, you know, Brian Kelly has proved, like there are so many coaches who have shown that like, if you can win at one level, uh, you're likely to win at another one. There's not many negatives for Jeff Trailer. Uh, I'm a UTSA grad, and, and these are part of the part of the things about being. If you're a G5 football fan, you're in one of two modes at all time. You're either wishing your coach was fired, or you're nervous <laughs> that somebody's going to come hire your coach. You'd rather be in the second group, and that's where UTSA is right now. And it's just part of the process of Trailer finds a better job or a bigger job or one that he likes, you get seven, $8 million and you go hire the next guy and you, and you hope to do it again. That's, that's kind of where you're at. Um, you know, USC or Oklahoma lost their coach to USC. Notre Dame lost their coach to LSU. Uh, everybody can get got, especially at the G5 level. So it's just kind of, it's part of it. But I think for UTSA fans, it's still kind of a new thing. This is the first time one of their coaches has ever been thought out in this kind of way. So 
know, it kind of comes with the territory that there's some growing pains in terms of understanding how the, the coaching search thing happens behind the scenes. Yeah, I find it interesting. You know, some of the other guys that you mentioned, uh, especially these guys from the Pac-12, some of these schools that are going to go to the Big Ten uh, next year, do you think that makes a difference in any interest that any of those guys might have in, in going to a Texas A&M? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I put, I mean, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is a name I've heard a lot uh, over the last couple of days. And, you know, he's at his alma mater. He was a quarterback at Oregon State. But Oregon State's getting left out of the dance. And that's, you know, that's not on Oregon State. That's on television execs. And, you know, I'm sure y'all have covered plenty of that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. But I think one of the reasons he's been talked about is he's probably not going to stay there. You know, like, I think he'd like to. But if, if you're not going to be part of, of the, the party, you're going to have to go find a spot uh, where you are. So that puts him in the mix. I've even heard Lincoln Riley uh, has kicked the tires, or at least his agent has on wow. the job, because you know when when he went out there, um, you know he didn't know that they were going to go play in the Big Ten, right? Like he went out there to dominate the Pac-12, and then you know all of a sudden they were in the Big Ten school. I don't know if he gets along with his AD all that well. So you know, A and M is a top ten job in the nation. Again, like there's not many places that have the fan support like they did. They have ninety four thousand people at Kyle Field to play Abilene Christian last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Recruiting-wise, they're a top-10 recruiting class right now. They're 12-11 and 11 in their last 23 and don't even have a head coach, and they still have a top-10 recruiting class. And then money-wise, I mean, not many people can compete with what NIL is going on at A&M. So they have all the stuff there uh, to be a major, major job. Um, there are definitely a lot of interest and in, in a lot of big names that, that maybe wouldn't have been interested in A&M 20 years ago. I think they've elevated themselves to, to be in the type of place that a Lincoln Riley, a Dabo Sweeney, a Ryan Day kind of at least look at, at least think about, uh, because it's that good of a job. Now, you mentioned Lincoln. Uh, is Cliff still on the radar, Cliff Kingsbury? You know, I, don't, I did not – I haven't heard his name. I, I did not hear his name uh, talking to people over the last week or so in terms of a realistic, realistic option. I, I don't think so. I, I think um, the worry – they want somebody that they think will be there for a decade – um, and I think with Cliff, there's always going to be this eye on the NFL. I, I don't see that being as a realistic one. Well, and that's the problem with Lincoln Riley, too. I mean, you know, the Aggies would like to have a defense. So that that, that might be a... <laughs> the wrecking crew yeah, with that Lincoln might, Riley? That might make a, a <laughs> Oil difference. And water? I, I don't know. But uh, uh, it's going to be fun, Mike. Yeah, I don't I don't think he gets the job. But I, I definitely have heard that there's been some back channel. You know how this stuff goes. There's 15 or 20 guys that have been contacted and done Zoom interviews and talked to somebody associated with somebody, right? That's how this stuff goes. And so it's just kind of working through the weeds of that that yep. information. Well, and, and again, I think, you know, as you talk about back channel stuff, I mean, obviously Dan Campbell has said no, but what about like an Aaron Glenn, his defensive coordinator with the Lions? I mean, I, everybody that I've talked to, they've got to have some sort of A&M or Texas mm-hmm. ties. And that limits... Uh, most, and, and on your list of five that you published today, uh, that eliminates three of the five. I, I mean, it's interesting when you hear they want this, but then you see a name like a Jonathan Smith or, or a Leopold at Kansas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things about coaching searches that can get a little wild is like what the athletic director may think the initial criteria are may change as he talks to donors or a donor becomes enamored with one of these coaches. I mean, there's there's the story of uh, Chris Del Conte at Texas about to hire Sonny Dykes, uh, but then the donors are like, "We don't want the one that we don't want the guy that got fired at Cal," um, and so they go hire Steve Sarkeesian, right? And so um, this isn't just one person's decision. It's not 
it's not a stereotypical hiring process like the ones that most of us go through in our day-to-day lives as just regular employees. Um, there's a lot of egos involved. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. There's a lot of people with a lot of money who feel like they're the fantasy general manager of these programs. And it's not just uh, one singular opinion behind the scene. I'd imagine if there's 10 people on the board making this decision, there's three or four different favorites in that room. Uh, they're going to argue amongst themselves and, and figure it out over the next week or so. I'd imagine this is sewn up by, you know, this time by December 1st at the very latest. And so uh, it'll be, it's going to be a thing, man. I, I, don't, I may not sleep. Thanksgiving's going to be a little interesting. So these coaching <laughs> changes uh, earlier and earlier. Because we should be talking about football. Yep. Um, yeah. But with the early with the early signing period and with the portal, these decisions have to ma- be made so much earlier and so much earlier that the last couple of weeks of the football season almost get lost to this stuff. And it, it's a disappointing thing as just a fan of the sport. Follow him on Twitter at Craven Mike. Make sure you read him there at TexasFootball.com. Mike Craven, senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Appreciate you jumping on with us this afternoon, Mike. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it. Mike Craven on the Buyer's Barricades guest line where they provide traffic control, rental, and sales for San Antonio and beyond online at buyersbarricades.com.